Hello, friends. Welcome to the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It is Masters Week. Uh, we just finished up the NCAA March Madness Finals a couple nights ago. Uh, the NHL playoffs are starting tonight. Uh, I'm recording right now on April 10th. So the NHL playoffs start tonight. MLB's in full swing. The NBA regular season just wrapped up. And we got the Masters. We got the Par 3 competition starting today. We got the Masters going all weekend. The best week in golf, as Tiger Woods put it, this is the best event in our sport. And then last but certainly not least, this Sunday night at 9 o'clock, Game of Thrones is back. Oh, and I'm nervous for that. I'm sort of torn on this whole Game of Thrones debuting on the same night or the final season, um, premiering on the same night as uh, the Masters Sunday because, like, if Tiger wins or, like, Corey Connors or Adam Hadwin or someone that I really, really like, it's going to be hard to, like, come down off that high um, in the two hours or so I'm going to have between the Masters and Game of Thrones. But on the other hand, if, say, like Ian Poulter wins or, you know, someone I don't really like, then that episode of Game of Thrones is not going to come soon enough because I'm going to need something to take my mind off that. So uh, either way, I mean, I'm pumped. I've been rewatching the last couple seasons. So I'm ready to go for Game of Thrones. I'm ready to go for this week. Uh, big week in sports. Got my Leafs starting up tomorrow night against Boston. Uh, just just a great, great time of the year to be a sports fan and a golf fan. So I'm going to get into that. First, I want to congratulate Corey Connors. Corey Connors, Canadian, from Listowel, Ontario. He, which literally is like the middle of nowhere in Ontario. But he, uh, he won. He got his first PGA Tour event. First PG Tour win on Sunday at the Valero Texas Open. His lovely wife Mallory was there to greet him. Uh, they were showing her reaction shots all throughout the day. Um, just great to see uh, those two and Corey getting the win and getting into the Masters this week. I wrote a blog about it. I interviewed Corey last year at Hilton Head. He was super, super nice to me. I went out of his way to... Uh, I wrote it in the blog that the one the first day I was there... Um, at Hilton Head, the 18th green is about a 15-minute walk or so from the clubhouse. So I would wait behind the 18th green for guys to finish, ask them if I could do an interview, and then make my way back to the clubhouse or get the next group coming through. Well, Corey came through, and there was no one behind them. Um, so I interviewed him, and then I was making my way back to the clubhouse. And uh, just a simple gesture, but Corey said, Hey, man, are you going back to the clubhouse? And I said, yeah. And he said, hey, hop in. So, you know, just simple things like that, really nice guy. And then on the Friday, as he was grinding to make the cut, he ended up missing the cut. But I noticed as I was following him that uh, there was this girl in a black ping hat that was living and dying with every one of his shots. And uh, so I asked, you know, are you with Corey? And then she lit up and um, asked me, me and my mom, my mom was with me that day, to walk with her the rest of, the, rest of his round. Because it's nice to have some fellow Canadians around. So, um Really nice to see them having success. Just the greatest down-to-earth, nicest people. And uh, great for Corey to get the win. He did it in exciting fashion. He, he looked really good. Stumbled a bit through the middle of his round, but came through in the end with the win. 
And congratulations. It's always good to have another Canadian in the winner's circle. And for him, it seemed like just a matter of time. And uh, now it's just a matter of time until he gets the second one. So I'll definitely be looking forward to speaking him to him next week in Hilton Head when I go back. I'll have a little bit more on that at the end of the podcast. Um, but now I want to get into some clips. Before I get into the golf clips, this, this clip came out a few weeks ago. Nothing to do with golf, but before I get into the golf ones, this one... <laughs> it came out a couple weeks ago. There's something about this clip. I, I, I just have to share it because it makes me laugh every single time. It's of Sean Avery. And for those who don't know, Sean Avery is a former NHL hockey player. He's dabbled in the fashion world, the Broadway. He's kind of done everything. He was a big asshole in the NHL. But um, he's one of those guys you either love him or hate him. Um, he is what he is. But he's himself, I guess you could say. But this clip, every time I see it, I laugh my ass off, so hope you enjoy it as well. Guys, why do you stop here? I just, I'm just trying to figure it out. This is a bike lane. So move your fat ass. Let's get going, big boy. <laughs> Let's get going, big boy. <laughs> oh my god, I love that clip so much. Uh... <laughs> So, anyways, I just wanted to get that, put that in there to get, give myself a good laugh. On to the golf clips. Uh, Bubba Watson's made a career of being, um, I'm sorry, I'm still laughing, being uh, controversial, I guess. Uh, some people love him, some people hate him. He got heckled during the match play, and uh, we, we got this clip out of it. Most Tankowski. Another one of them slinging cuts, ball. Hey, a really cool shot. Let's be quiet next time. It's funny how tough you were, and then you looked away. <laughs> Pretty funny. Everybody's big behind the road. Not sure if you heard that, but uh, basically, yeah, he gets chirped and then turns the guy in a... Funny how everyone's big when they're behind the ropes. Funny how you turned around when I said something. Uh, not much of a take on this, I think. Uh, if you're going to give it to guys, they should be able to give it back to you. I think that's just the way it is. I mean, we've seen a lot of it in the NBA this year where fans have been over the top with their criticism of players or saying things that you should never say to a human. And uh, I don't know. I think it should be a fair game. If you're going to say something to someone, they can say something back. Uh, I guess it's not a good look for the PJ Tour, but, I mean, I like to see it. I like to see all sorts of fan interaction, including this next clip. This next clip, I'm going to play it twice. Just Tiger Woods walking through, uh, he's going from hole to hole in the match play. And this lady wanted to make sure that Tiger knew how important he was and just how much it would mean to get an autograph. Will you sign my titties later? Jesus. (laughs) Will you sign my titties later? Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> it's unmistakable. Will you sign my titties later? Uh, I mean, uh, what can you really say? Tiger, good for Tiger. He just kept walking, cut the head down, pretended like he didn't hear it. But, um, yeah, I loved it. I thought that was that was fantastic. Uh can only imagine the stuff Tiger hears that we don't hear, you know? Um, so he's still got it, baby. He's still got it. He's the goat. He's getting it everywhere he can, and uh, good for him. So, I, I mean, I highly doubt he did, in fact, put his John Hancock, if you will, amongst that lady's breasts. But quite the story. 
Um, moving on. I mentioned before that I'm a, I listen to Barstool, and I like Barstool Sports quite a bit. Another eh, sort of controversial website, I guess, but if you actually listen to what they say, there's really not much controversy there. But um, Jake Owens, country music star, was on uh, Four Play Podcast, which a bit of a dirty name, but Four Play, F-O-R-E, there, you get it. Uh, he was on there. He told two great stories. The one about Phil Mickelson, which you've probably heard by now, essentially uh, he was at Jordan Spieth's wedding the day after the match between Tiger and Phil, and Jake Owen was a bit liquored up, went over to Phil, basically said, you know, you owe me 30 bucks. That was the worst golf I've ever seen. You guys couldn't even make three birdies between you. That was awful. And Phil Mickelson pulls a $100 bill out of his pocket and says, I made 90,000 of these yesterday. Take this and go fuck yourself. <laughs> so great story. And uh, Phil actually responded to that story yesterday in his master's press conference. And then I have another clip from Jake Owen regarding Sergio Garcia. About the what story? The, the Jordan's wedding about the... Oh, yeah. No, it happened exactly like he said. Yeah, uh, Jake nailed it. I was a verbatim. Ricky Fowler and I were talking. He was right there. And uh, Jake had a bunch of buddies behind him and thought he'd, uh, you know, come, come show off a little bit. And I kind of shot him down. So, yeah. I, was, I played with Sergio, and my best friend is Marty Fish, and he's really good friends with Sergio. So he asked, he's like, come play with us. So um, we're grabbing a drink, and this old guy spots uh, Sergio. So he comes over to him, and he does one of these things where he puts his hands on both of his shoulders, and he goes, Sergio, I got to tell you. He's like, you're just such a wonderful man, and I love watching you play golf. And my wife and I, we just got back from Italy, and we love Lake Como, and I just love your country. And and and, and, oh, and Sergio, Sergio, yes. Sergio's like, Sergio's like, oh, thank you so much. It's so nice of you. <laughs> but the best part about it was, is Sergio's just like, oh, thank, thank you so you. much, yeah. sir. That's yep. so nice of you to yeah. say that. And I'm we, from wherever we turned you around want me and to we be walked, from. We yeah. turned around and walked off, and he's like, I'm from fucking Spain. See, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd recommend going to check out that uh, that that podcast. That was really well done. That one. And, uh, yeah, big shout out to the four play guys. They're killing it. Um, that was funny. Sergio obviously gets a bad rap. I ripped on him before, but, uh, he seems like one of those guys that, yes, he has an awful temper, but he does seem like one of those guys that if you're, you know, uh, playing golf or soccer or, you know, just having a few beers, he would actually be a fun guy to shoot the shit with and, uh, tell some stories and have some laughs with. So that was uh, a couple cool golf stories there. What else we got here? Oh, Really, really cool. Uh, Wright Thompson. So he's, he's, he probably read his ESPN story on Tiger a couple years ago. It sort of unearthed a lot of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes with Tiger in the wake of his dad passing. And so he was on Dan Patrick's show. He's writing another book. Basically, it's about uh, the biggest, the most successful athletes and the struggle essentially in their personal lives. That So, like Michael Jordan, he, best basketball player of all time, but he had gambling addiction um for all accounts and purposes very bad person off the court tiger woods greatest golfer of all time but never had a childhood uh obviously had all the scandals um inside just sort of a empty shell of a person uh i think he he documents a bunch of the top athletes throughout sports history and um sort of the yin and yang of being that successful so it sounds like he's a, it's gonna be a really really interesting book and he's he's just a fantastic writer i love his writing but uh, he was on Dan Patrick's show, and he did about, a f- I don't know, like a 15-minute interview, but there was about five really good minutes in there on Tiger. Uh, I wrote a blog on it, so if you want to check that, that out to read everything, read that. But this clip, um, Dan asks Wright 
if he could ask Tiger two questions and he was granted that Tiger would be honest with him, what would he ask? And uh, the questions, uh, just just listen, it's phenomenal. Did you ever like golf? And that's heavy. And do you think he likes golf? No, I bet he likes golf now. I bet he. I bet from 1997 to 2009 he did not like golf and wondered why he played. And wait, but he was so successful. Yeah, I mean, I think golf. He has. I mean, he's actually a genius. I think, and he is is a really incredible mind. And I think whatever. If his dad would have introduced him to gymnastics, or if his dad would have wanted him to be an opera singer, or if his dad would have wanted him to be the world's greatest classical guitar player, I think he would have been that. I think that the Hmm. pursuit of greatness and of perfection was what he liked. Uh, I think now I wonder if he really likes golf. I would ask him where he feels closest to his father now would be my other question. But do you know what I mean? Like, you you can't – can you imagine if you're an 11-year-old boy whose parents are getting divorced – and are splitting up, and the happiest your family is is when they're both watching you succeed at golf. And 12 to 18 goes really quickly. Now you're in college. You're the best player in the world. Now you're signing all of these deals. Now you've won the Masters. And you haven't really had time to decide whether you want your whole life to be shaped by the unintentional whims of a 12-year-old boy. Now imagine you're 30. And you have a wonderful life, but none of it is of your choosing. But do you think he sabotaged his life, his I, career? I don't know. And, and I, I've that, thought and, about that. I mean, I've okay. thought about that a lot. I don't, I mean, subconsciously, possibly, I think that he certainly understood that there was a difference between Eldrick Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods, and that one was an avatar. I imagine like lots of famous people, he came to hate the Avatar and also sort of like it. It's like the Johnny Manziel thing. He wanted to be famous desperately, and then when he got it, all he wanted was to give it back. And you can't. To me, that was incredibly fascinating. I think he nailed pretty much spot on a couple things there. Does Tiger like golf? I mean, you think on the surface that that's a ridiculous question, but... You look back at his career, and I think the, the quote there that I'm not sure if it was in that clip or not, but the quote that really stuck out to me from that interview was he said, um, A, that Tiger's a genius, and that whatever his dad would have put him into, he would have excelled and mastered. But the main thing for me was the pursuit of perfection is what Tiger likes. Now, if you look back on Tiger's career multiple times, every time he's gotten close to perfection, he's retooled. He's redone his swing or something of that nature, Look back at 2000, look back at 97 after he won the Masters. You got the early 2000s, you got maybe around 2005, 2006, and then he started having more injuries. He retooled his swing a couple more times. He's retooled his swing about five times, and I'd say about three of those times he was as close to perfection as anyone's ever been in the history of the game. And it's, it's, you know, when you hear it put out, it's just so obvious. Like, this guy loves the pursuit of perfection, not necessarily actually the perfection itself. And... I don't know. I'm not going to stand here and say Tiger Woods didn't love golf. I think maybe the part of the reason he loved golf was false. You know, it was he loved golf because it made his parents happy, not necessarily him happy. And I think he might have dealt with some of that during his early 30s and trying to figure out, you know, who am I really, especially after the loss of his dad. Um, 
really, really interesting. And also there was a part earlier in the interview, I don't think it was in that clip, but um, basically saying that the Nike marketing people really let Tiger down early in his career because they wanted to make him, at the biggest the biggest star in, in time in the moment was Michael Jordan. And they wanted to make Tiger like Michael Jordan. Um, both black, both extremely dominant, extremely dominant in their sports to a level we've never seen before. But the difference is Tiger is an introvert. Michael is an extrovert. And trying to market them in the same way um, did some damage to Tiger, I think. Um, just overall, really, really fascinating interview there. Um, again, check out my blog on it for more of that. Now I'm going to move on to some topics. The first one is Tony Romo. Tony Romo, I think it's time for him to give up this uh, pro golfing career that he's trying to pursue. He played in the uh, secondary PJ Tour event in uh, Punta Cana a couple weeks ago, and he finished dead last. He shot uh, second round 8 over 80 to finish 15 over for the second consecutive year. Um, he played in the event on a sponsor exemption, played in the tournament on a sponsor exemption last year and finished in last place. This year, he again finished in last place. Um... <laughs> On one hand, yeah, it brings more attention to the event. But on the other hand, when you're doing this repeatedly, like I think this is the fourth, fifth time, um, it's I don't want to say it's embarrassing because anyone going out there and competing, like it's 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 tough. It's really tough. But if you're not breaking eighty once, twice, three times, sure. But if it's a consistent thing where you're just not even coming close to the cut, you're coming dead last. I think you should probably stop and. Uh, just stick with what you're good at. You know, he is a good golfer, but just golf for fun. Golf for fun. You don't need to be trying to get into U.S. Opens and trying to do all this stuff. Enjoy your broadcasting career. Golf for fun. And just, you know, right off into the sunset. You don't need to be doing this, Tony. You have nothing to prove. The other end of the spectrum, uh, sad story, uh, but we can all relate to this. Uh, David Faraday, he sadly lost his son about a year ago, I believe, um, to an overdose. And Faraday himself is someone that's been very open about himself having issues with uh, substance abuse and things of that nature in the past. And uh, he, after the loss of his son, he, uh, he opened up that he relapsed and uh, he, he just didn't want to feel sad anymore. And he, he got into the liquor and um, he was down in a really, really, really dark place for some time. And, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't have known in the public eye, but he was he was open enough to come out and admit this. And uh, from all I know, he's he's okay now. He's you know he's gotten things back under control. But uh, the loss of your son to an overdose, um, especially when he's someone that suffers from that, in his you know it's in his blood. And uh, he in the interview he did with Brian Gumble, he opened up about how he felt responsible. He wasn't there for his son. He was golfing, or he was drinking, or he was doing drugs, or. You know, he wasn't there as much as he should have been for his son, and he feels directly responsible for the death of his son. Um, so really sad. You know, Faraday's a guy that brings a lot of happiness and a lot of laughter to a lot of people. And uh, I think, you know, this is one of those times where he could could use a little support and help from his fans and those of us in the golf world. So uh, if you just want to reach out to him and wish him the best of luck or whatever it is, or, you know, if you're at a tournament and you see him, just, you know, tell him you, you appreciate what he does and uh, how important he is to the game of golf. What's next? Rory McIlroy. Mr. McIlroy. Rory's had this thing the last few years where he just, he doesn't like golf fans. Like he, at the, uh, sorry, at the uh, Ryder Cup a couple times, he made it quite obvious that 
He doesn't like the drinking and the boisterous stuff. He, at the match play, he voiced his concerns once again. Here it goes. His first concern is for young fans that are exposed to profanity heralded by rowdy adults, saying, One of the wonderful things about the PGA Tour events is a lot of kids come out to watch. If you've got guys that are shouting obscenities and swear words and stuff, and there's kids around, I think that isn't cool. He didn't stop there, though. He saved most of his words for the unruly fan behavior, that the, the effect that has on players. He complained about when spectators, quote, start to shout the player's private life, um, which he says crossed the line. He also takes exception with fans deliberately rooting against someone or trying to get in their head. Uh, the biggest problem, he says, is that it's usually only the top players that have to deal with these kinds of disturbances, saying it's not fair when only a handful of guys are subjected to that in the field and the other guys can just go about their business. As for how to deal with such disruptive fan behavior, McElroy agrees that there is a lot of gray area and each situation should be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. But if the behavior rises to the levels he detailed, he says, quote, you might want to try to either get security to tell the guys to settle down or remove them. Okay, so this is only going to exacerbate the issue for Rory, in my opinion. Anytime you show that something bothers you and you're in the public arena, it's just going to get worse for you. So... Sorry, Rory, but I mean, when I look at this quote, I think, where has Rory played the best? He's played the best. There was that few-year stretch where he was just dominating everything, but he plays really well in the Ryder Cup where the crowd is rowdy, kind of fires him up. He plays well um, on tougher courses like TBC. He plays well at Bay Hill. Uh, he plays well in majors. Not that he's won recently, but he plays well in majors, and those are the most pressure-packed, tough events when the fans would be, you know, most boisterous. So sort of a, a bit of an interesting angle for him to take, especially leading up to the Masters, where that's the one tournament where you're not going to have any boisterous crowds. Or I mean, the crowds are loud, don't get me wrong, but they're not yelling obscenities or anything like that. So, And, and that's his most notoriously, um, for lack of a better term, choked event. He's, he's quote-unquote choked multiple times there. And that has nothing to do with the fans. And, you know, to say it's only a handful of guys subjected to that, I mean, you can make the cases the other way because when there's a huge crowd, one or two people yelling things, it's not really going to get through. But when there's only a crowd of like 10 people and one person yells something, everyone's hearing that. So, I mean, it's a bit of like a first world problem kind of thing to have where it's like you're one of the best guys on tour and people are yelling stuff at you. Um, it's tough. I would let my caddy deal with it or just, again, it's tough unless you're in those shoes, but I think he's better off not saying anything, keeping his mouth shut and uh, just going along being happy Rory and sticking to his golf game. Okay, Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. Match play performance, he uh, beat Rory. That was really cool. He actually played really well. Um, sort of an odd week for Tiger. Like the course, Austin Couch Club, amazing match play course. But uh, I don't know, Tiger was, it was moments where he was clicking all together and there was moments where he was absolutely horrible. Uh, he managed to get by Rory in the, I guess it was the quarterfinals or round of 16. And uh, whatever, I don't know. And um, then he lost to Lucas Beargard with, I mean, or Beargard, sorry, with probably the shortest putt of consequence that we've ever seen Tiger miss. So that's not good. But uh, overall, he looked pretty good. He also announced that he's going to be doing more head-to-head matches similar to the match, and they're going to be broadcast on Golf TV. So it's, it's not yet decided whether, you know, whether he's, it's going to be one-on-one, two-on-two, but he apparently has control over how the matches are going to be set up and determined, and uh, it's up to him. So we'll see how he wants to do it, and uh, I think that's good. One more note on Tiger having to do with the Masters. 
he released his clothing choices for the Masters, and he's going back. He's going back old school. He's going to the mock neck. Now, these mock neck shirts, I think Tiger Woods is the only person that's ever pulled off the mock neck shirt and looked, like, really good in it. So, I mean, I don't know. He's turning the clock back. Uh, he wore it. He wore the red one during this 2005 win. Um, so, but yeah, he's wearing anywhere like a, looks like a kind of a navy purpley blue on the first day. And then the second day, he's got like a light, uh, light blue. Third day, he's going pink. And then boom, Sunday red, of course. So, Tiger, I think Tiger, uh, going with the like kind of more, um, flowery colors this week, it's going to look good. It's going to look real great walking around, strutting around. Something about Augusta just, Gets the juices going for him. I mean, not something about Augusta. Everything about Augusta. So, seeing Tiger on Sunday wearing that mock neck, if he's in contention, oh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna the chills just thinking of it. So, yeah. He also debuted a new logo during his press conference at the Masters. Um, his polo on the on the left, like uh, over the breast pocket, um, is like a kind of like a T shape, but it was his famous Frank head cover. So that's kind of cool. I wonder if we're gonna start seeing things rolling out with that. Um, another note on the Masters, Patrick Reed, defending champion. The story around his family, I find really, really interesting. Um, last year it came out that, you know, he's, since he got married to his wife, his family and him are not on speaking terms. They didn't approve of her. Um, she didn't approve of them. Big falling out. They haven't talked in years, but they showed up at, they've shown up at a few events and he's had them kicked out. They showed up at the Masters last year during his final round because they lived just down the road. Um, and he thinks they're going to show up again this year. And uh, yeah, I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this because there's a lot we don't know, but we do know that there's a rift in his family and it has to do with his wife. There's always something weird going on with him and his wife. So uh, yeah, something to look out for um, is some read drama, but Sort of a, it's a strange story around him and his family, and um, I don't know which side to take. I want to say that his family's in the right. They must have seen something in Justine that we all, the rest of us see. But on the other hand, we don't know, right? We don't know. So I'm not going to uh, come in heavy on one side of that argument. But moving on, Golf.com had a master's survey. They surveyed 40 pros, 17 questions. Here's the top ones, I think. What's the best hole at Augusta? 28% said number 12. 20% said number 13. I agree. 12 and 13 are the best. 12. I'd probably choose 13, but 12 is uh, really cool. The worst hole at Augusta, number four won that with 33%. You'll know that's that that par three down the hill. Tough hole. Would lengthening the par five 13th make it a better hole? 77% say no. What's the scariest shot on Augusta, at Augusta? The tee shot on 12 wins with 38%. Will Tiger win another green jacket? 75% of players polled say yes. How many? 90% of players polled say one. Will Phil Mickelson win another green jacket? 87% of players said no. Would you rather win one Masters or 10 tour events? 73% of players said one Masters. Would you rather win one Masters, two U.S. Opens, or three PGA Championships? Two U.S. Opens narrowly edged out one Masters with 35% to 30 who wins a Masters first, Rory McIlroy or Ricky Fowler? 78% of the players said Rory McIlroy. If, if Augusta National Golf Course offered you a membership tomorrow, would you accept it? 93% of the players said yes, but that means 7% of them said no. You've ever been reprimanded for something you've done at Augusta National? 67% said no, but again, 33% of the players have been reprimanded for something 
Um, a couple quotes. One of them said they got in trouble for sitting down on the range. One of them got in trouble. I was reprimanded for running. And one of them got in trouble for taking a video, skipping a ball across the pond or the creek, sorry, on 16. Is the Masters overrated? No, 92%. I like that because there's been some talk this week. People saying it's kind of overrated. No, it's not. It's the best thing in the sport. This might be uh, the most interesting interesting answers here. What's one thing most golf fans don't know about Augusta National? First top answer, 40%, how hilly it is. Next, that the bird sounds are fake. The greens aren't as fast as you think. Master champions do not become members. The green jacket has to stay on property. And a few more, the fried chicken is the best in the world. The fairway grass looks super tight, but it's longer than you would expect. There's a tunnel under the range to get to the media center. That's pretty cool. Number one is the hardest green on the course. There's no menu. You just ask for what you want, and it appears. That sounds magical. The whipped lemonade in the, in the men's... The whipped lemonade in the men's locker room is unbelievable. It had, like, blended sugar foam on top. It was a dream. <laughs> whipped lemonade. Wow. The trees are cut, so they all lean in towards the fairway. Check it out. There are no branches on the outside of the trees. That's fascinating. I have to check that out. And finally, the Masters champion has to pick up the tab for the champion's dinner. And it's expensive. So, Patrick Reed, get out your checkbook. Some really cool answers in there. Yeah, in terms of the Masters, uh, I wrote a Masters preview blog with my picks and stuff. Um, yeah, it's, 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 everyone knows what we got going to the Masters. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, in terms of bets and prep is that one difference this year. The course is pretty much rained out on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, today is the part three contest, so there's limited amount of time to get out on the course and practice. So guys that have a history at this course are going to have a big advantage because it's such a course knowledge tournament, and those who are here for the first time haven't much time to get acclimated. They're going to take, it might take them a round or two to get you know used to the little things. And also, it's wet, but the sub-air system at Augusta is is top of the line. It's uh, state-of-the-art, if you will. So there's during the course of the round, it may kind of feel wet, but it's actually a lot drier and faster than it looks or feels. So it's sort of a, it's a big experience type of tournament more than any other tournament on PJ Tour. That's what we always see every year. There's at least one or two old champions or really old guys that haven't contended in anything in a long time contending at the Masters because of that very issue. So look out for that. One little tidbit. Um, uh, my picks for this week. Again, I usually don't uh, tug with these on the on the podcast, but just for the sake of it being the Masters and it being a major, my top five this week: Brooks Kepka, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Rose, Dustin Johnson, and number one, Rory McIlroy. I've got Tiger at sixteenth. Um, I would love to see Tiger win more than anything, but time will tell. Uh, do, 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 do. Other than that, uh, yeah, I'm heading to Hilton Head next week for the RBC Heritage. It's become an annual trip for me. I've got a bunch of cool story ideas and content ideas and stuff planned. You never know what's actually going to you know, work out or when things are going to come out, but stay tuned to that. I'll have uh, updates on all of that. Reminder, take, you know, take a few minutes to, to soak it in on Sunday. Um, just, you know, maybe as they're making the turn, just stop for 10 seconds and just think to yourself, you know, it's Master Sunday. This is about to be the best couple hours in sports. We got Game of Thrones coming up later. Just enjoy it because you're not going to have another day like this. Maybe ever. All right. So that's it for this week. Enjoy the Masters. Again, I'll be having lots of content next week from Hilton Head, the RPC Heritage. It'd be cool if the winner is in the field next week. Regardless, 
check out teeingoffblog.com. I put up a bunch of content lately. Um, check out my Twitter at R-J-M-C-C-U-L-O-U-G-H. Follow me there. And on Instagram, teeingoffblog. Let's go, Tiger. Let's hope for a great Masters. And just, again, enjoy it. <laughs>